Thanks for lending me your ear. Jumping right in with our first news topic, the world reveal of the 4050 was in the Philippines. Yes, dito sa atin, pero by accident. Galax held a local event recently for retailers showing off the new 40 series cards and also pushing their gaming monitor line. Some GPU boxes though were covered in black tape and one enterprising attendee lifted the tape off and found 4050 branding underneath. So of course, he took pictures of the box and posted it on Reddit. A 4050 is not a huge surprise, not a big spoiler. I did get a laugh though that the leak came from us. I actually attended that Galax event for Hardware Sugar, pero I promise I wasn't the one who leaked that pic. Rolling along with 40 series news, NVIDIA has cancelled their 4080. The 4080 12GB version, that is. The plan was to release a 4080 12GB and a 4080 16GB. But the difference between the two cards wasn't just in the size of memory, but in the chips powering the cards. The 16GB version will be using the AD103 chip, whereas the 12GB version was supposed to use the lower-performing AD104. So of course, the internet got really upset since it looked like the 4080 12GB was to be released at around 900 US, but its performance was better suited to something along the lines of a 4070, definitely a step down from a 4080. In a rare move, NVIDIA appears to have listened to the feedback and has cancelled or unreleased the 4080 12GB. The cards have already been produced though, so they're going to be doing something with those cards, probably rebranding them as a 4070-something. And na print na rin yung boxes or yung packaging of those different cards for the different brands, so all of those boxes now have to be destroyed. The cards have to be reintegrated into inventory and reclassified as something else. So it is a big deal, a lot of hassle for a lot of people. But interesting move by NVIDIA, actually feeling some of the heat from the internet in general. The 40 series has been creating a lot of drama online that spilled over to the creator space where Gamers Nexus got into a tiff recently with well-known PSU and peripheral manufacturer Corsair. To be fair, Corsair started it when a Corsair rep publicly posted calling BS on GNs and Guru 3D's coverage of how much power the 4090 can draw and how the card knows it can draw that power. The 4090 has a single 12-pin power connector, which most PSUs don't support yet. So the card ships with a 12-pin to a 4x8 adapter. Gamers Nexus and Guru 3D stated that the 4090 is able to determine how many cables are plugged in and plugging in 3 of the 8 pins gives the card a total of 450 watts to draw on, which is the baseline for the card. Yun yung 100% niya. Plugging in the 4th 8 pin gives the card a total of 600 watts to draw on. And that extra power is for overclocking or basically pushing the card faster. Having all four 8 pins connected gives you a total of 130%. So you, there is a little extra overhead when you plug in all four of the 8-pin connectors. This actually implies that you can run a 4080 just on three 8-pins. We've done a couple of 4090 builds in the shop, but we haven't tried that particular configuration yet. Anyway, the Corsair rep said that GN and Guru 3D weren't accurate. They didn't know what they were talking about. But of course, they turned out to be right, and Corsair quickly released a statement to that effect. 
The Corsair rep was spectacularly wrong and anyway, shouldn't have been packing that much heat. The statement was pretty strongly worded and even if he was right, you know, them's fighting words. Although, Gamers Nexus, again, did have the last laugh. Outside of the brouhaha though, it's amazing to me that the 4090 is able to detect how many cables are plugged in and adjust its behavior accordingly. This seems rudimentary, basically observing external stimuli and then reacting to the observation. But it is actually quite smart. The card does it on its own without any input from the user, which is a godsend for users who just want the card to run as optimally as possible given their current system. And we're also seeing this kind of dynamic adaptation in AMD's new Ryzen CPUs. Reviewers have noted that the 7000 series really likes 95 degrees. I mean, it works itself up to 95 degrees regardless of what cooler people were using. And with a little digging, they noticed that the Ryzen 7000 series is doing this on purpose. It detects how well your CPU cooler is performing and ramps up performance accordingly. So even with a good cooler, you're going to see 95 degrees, but that's because your CPU is running faster. Basically, the CPU performance throttles up or down depending on how well or how efficient your CPU cooler is. The better your CPU cooler, it's really going to hit 95 degrees, but the faster performance you're getting. On the opposite end, if your CPU cooler is not that great, the temps will still hit 95 degrees, but the CPU will throttle down. You'll be getting less performance. So 95 degrees as a baseline for the 7000 series is expected. The CPU wants to reach that temperature. But getting to that temperature, it takes into account how fast it can go based on its experience with your system's cooling. We've seen this kind of dynamic adaptation before. For instance, in AMD's Precision Boost tech for their CPUs, it's already quite old. But that had to be turned on in the BIOS and it potentially broke your warranty. Now with the NVIDIA 40 series and AMD 70 series of CPUs and GPUs for NVIDIA, you're starting to really get hardware that can figure things out on its own. And that's really, as I mentioned, a godsend for a lot of users who don't want to get their hands too dirty, who find the BIOS intimidating. A lot of users just want good performance. They want to buy something that's kind of expensive and they expect it to run at its fastest. Just, you know, no bells and whistles need to be added. No settings need to be changed. No fine-tuning needed. And it bodes well for the future of the hobby in general. I mean, you know, a lot of people might complain that this is dumbing down. I miss manual overclocking. I miss... <laughs> putting in a really nice cooler and not seeing my CPU go up to 95 degrees. But this will really help people get more value out of their purchases where they're able to get the fastest possible from their hardware without having to jump through any settings, without having to jump through any more hoops to enable something. Now, if you are planning to hang on to your RTX card for now because the 4090 is crazy expensive, which it is, You'll be happy to know that NVIDIA released new drivers to include the 4090, but these new drivers speed up all RTX cards, specifically in games using DirectX 12. I think that's driver version 522.25 and it dropped around two weeks ago. 
There are some reports that it even helps non-RTX cards, but most of the chatter I've seen online are significant gains in some games, in some DX12 games on RTX cards. So driver update costs you nothing to update. You might want to check that out. Lastly on GPUs, Intel has released their new Arc GPU with the A750 looking to be a better deal value for performance over the A770. But you may not want to rush out to get one. Driver support is, you know, a bit off right now, to be honest. Again, Gamers Nexus reports that they could not even get any display sometimes when hooking up their monitors to an Intel GPU. It's a very interesting card. It runs roughly analogous to a 3060 if you get drivers working. So a bit unstable at this point. You might want to wait a little bit for the Intel driver ecosystem to shake out. Not a great look for a graphics card if you can't even display something basic like Windows or a boot-up screen. But if you are angling for an Arc Series GPU, good luck finding it here in the Philippines. I've asked around and none of our suppliers have any ETA on when they will be getting. Although Intel is having an event on November 7, introducing the 13th generation, which actually comes out today, October 21, or at least suppliers informed us that we should be expecting our Intel 13th gen orders soon. But anyway, the event on November 7 is to introduce the Intel 13th gen and the Arc 3 GPUs. I have no idea why we're getting the or only getting the entry-level Arc series here in the Philippines. Although, uh, some of the internet rumors from the past months were like, Arc 3 was only going to be exclusive to China. That appears not to be correct, at least based on the invite that we got from Intel. But, yun nga, parang, bakit pang low-end lang yung Philippine market? When, as evidenced by how out of stock the 4090 is, there is, you know a small but very affluent gaming community that wouldn't mind spending on graphics cards. Also in local news, if you're a keyboard aficionado, you probably already know that the Grand Lasson is happening today, Friday, October 21, at the Metro Tent Convention Center. It's billed as the largest mechanical keyboard event in Asia, and it's organized by Zion Studios PH, a premier mechanical keyboard supplier provider, and it has enlisted a lot of the well-known brands, both local and abroad, from that keyboard modding scene. Uh, to be honest, I'm not into keyboard modding. It's fun to watch the subgenre of the hobby in action. Uh, but I look at it as a very slippery slope, uh, cost-wise and time-wise. And I'm desperately trying to avoid it. Wala na akong pera para pambayad sa lason. Or more accurately, wala na akong pera para pampagamot sa lason. <laughs> Money, though, is not a problem for some of our customers, and we are gearing up for an i9-13900KF plus 4090 build. But the only remaining problem in terms of hardware is finding RAM, which meets the specifications of the customer. Specifically, it has to be over its DDR5 since Intel 13th Gen. Although there are Intel 13th Gen boards that accept DDR4, such as the ROG Strix 790A Gaming, a video of which we released yesterday, if you want to check that out, that accepts DDR4. But you know, for a build of this budget, you want to get the latest and the greatest, that's DDR5. Anyway, the RAM that we're looking for is 
should be over 6,000 megahertz and CL32. All of our suppliers are out, and the available one on we did find an available G Skill one. It's available on Lazada through the official G Skill store. Problema, it's around it's over thirty thousand pesos, which is oh nga, money is no object. Pero kahit na, that's kind of nuts to be spending on a two X sixteen DDR five RAM kit, especially now when prices of DDR five have been slowly going down. So that particular piece of RAM is the last piece of the puzzle before we can build that truly bonkers build. Although this customer already bought a 4090 build from us. It was an R7 5800X3D plus 4090 build for his wife. Um, that for me, pound for pound, is the fastest combo that you can get for gaming right now. The 5800X3D is still very good. It trumps... Even the Ryzen 7000 series supposedly even trumps the Intel 13th Gen CPUs, all based on single core performance, which is what you need for gaming. And me personally, that's the that's my next upgrade, uh, a 5800X3D. Although that can wait until around next year or so. Ending with news about the internet in general, and a bit different from the kind of news that we usually mention, but... It's something that I find personally interesting because it involves the internet and free speech. This part of the podcast is or will be unedited, so I'm going to keep my ums and pauses in. Uh, Just experimenting if that's a more natural style and um, maybe a bit more of my enthusiasm and emotion on this particular topic comes out because I'm a big believer in free speech. And also just I like or I find it very interesting to observe where uh, the internet trends regarding free speech, um, you know, are headed towards. Um, so anyway, uh, for those who don't know, Alex Jones was the host of Infowars, which is, you know, a right-leaning kind of YouTube or social media presence. And he made a lot of money over the years, um, basically pushing very conservative viewpoints. But in 2012... So I think in 2013, he had a statement saying that the 2012 Sandy Hook school shooting in the States wasn't caused by... I think the actual perpetrator was a deranged teenager. I think. I I can't quite recall the details. But according... Or Alex Jones claimed that it was actually a government operation. So the government... The U.S. government went in and shot up... um, I think it was 20 kids, 6 teachers or something like that at an elementary school in Connecticut. Um, and, you know, in the States, school shootings are unfortunately very common. Thank God it's not common here in the Philippines. Um, I can't think of any, actually, that's hap- that have happened here, but it happens quite often, or it happens with disturbing regularity in the States. Um, so Alex Jones was pushing this piece of info for years. Uh, you know, it, it was part of his shtick, part of his conservative kind of mistrust of the government. Um, And he got a lot of fans. He had a lot of fans. He was making a lot of money from Infowars. Um, But anyway, the families of the victims filed a defamation suit. And last week, the jury came back awarding the victims' families or assessing damages in excess of $1 billion against Alex Jones, which is an insane amount of money if you think about it. Yes, he was earning a lot of money, but I can't imagine that he's made over a billion dollars 
in the span of time that you know he was the host of Infowars. Um, but it is a sign that regular it, it was a jury, so you know, unlike in the unlike here, we, we don't have a jury, it's all um all decisions are handed out by judges. In the States, they do have the jury system and the one billion award. That's even without attorney's fees. Attorney's fees will come later. So the total award will be north of one billion dollars for sure. Um, a very strong signal from the jury, which is supposedly composed of ordinary citizens, that you know enough is enough with this kind of false news and kind of. A lot of people make a lot of money online by deliberately wagging the base or firing up a certain portion of the populace. Yung, yung the kind of sobrang um, very zealous, very, very. It's 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 like. It's like passionate to an unhealthy obsession, uh, appealing to a very small minority of violent, mistrustful, paranoid individuals. And so that's big money. Um, Alex Jones made a, a lot of money. And it's personally, um, for me, it's satisfying to see him slap down with that kind of uh, a penalty. Um, yes, I, I am a big believer in free speech, but. You know, it's the problem when people hear free speech, they think that it can be anything. You have the right to say anything, which is absolutely false. That's uh, it's it's very established um in, in the law that that's not what free speech means and as a big bit proponent of free speech, that's also not what I mean when I say that I believe in free speech. Um the classic legal example is that, you know, you can't you you can't be in a crowded theater and yell fire, which would cause a stampede. So immediately from the get-go, speech does come with responsibilities. Speech does come with repercussions and consequences. Free speech has never meant that you can say whatever the hell you want in whatever the hell context. Um, but context matters. That, that's, I think, you know, if there's a lot of legal jargon, there are a lot of legal principles regarding free speech. But ultimately, I think it comes down to context matters and being responsible for the soapbox that you're on. Um, would Alex Jones, somebody else who went on the internet and said something what Alex Jones did, would he have been slapped down with a $1 billion fine? No, of course not. Because the damage that Alex Jones did was proportionate to the number of people following him, to the number of crazy people who would believe that the government would, or the US government would send operatives, pay someone, pay a group of people, whatever, whatever the conspiracy was, to kill school children. Um, not to say that the U.S. government, you know, is a saint, but uh, that really stretches credulity. And he, and, he, and he pumped out that information for years on his different platforms. So, I think, I or I hope that that has repercussions, not just, you know, for people peddling lies abroad, but also people here, dito sa atin, uh, where misinformation is rampant. And the platforms, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, don't have any incentive to cut down on it. A lot of the critics will say, well, kasi siyempre pera. The more views, the more money also for the platform. But at the same time, and again, from a free speech perspective, I can sympathize with the platforms because if they start censoring their users, sila na yung magiging taya for that. Um, if you censor somebody like Alex Jones, if you censor 
people who are anti-vaccine and they spread medical falsehoods, then you'll also have to censor. Kumbaga, you become what is the arbiter of truth. Not to say that you know I, I I believe that you should get vaccinated. I believe that Alex Jones was wrong. But if the platforms become the arbiter of truth, they open themselves up to liability. That's basically what they're avoiding. <laughs> they want to be told by somebody else, by a judge, by the citizens, by whoever, that this information is not acceptable. Which is why they've been so slow to cut down on views or to kind of put in warning flags that you know this information might be false this information is not accurate um because you know they don't want to be the judge about the content on their platform because that opens them up to liability it's a whole kind of worms um it's very interesting from a legal perspective from a technology perspective but ultimately the ones who should push push back are the users um you know ordinary citizens like the jury in the Alex Jones case. And yung nga, dito sa atin, ordinary netizens um, pushing the platforms na, oy tama na yung misinformation, oy tama na yung trolls, oy tama na yung pwede ka magbayad nung troll farm. Tapos, uh, for me, that's really the thing. Free speech, yes. But, like, you're one account per person. I go on my Facebook, I post something, that's my opinion. Um, and that's legitimate. But if somebody pays a network of people, okay, there, you have 100 people and then you have 1,000 accounts and those 1,000 accounts start flooding, spreading unfounded false rumors on the internet. I don't think that's free speech anymore and that's a perversion of democracy because authentic, the authentic voices of the citizens, yung talagang gusto ng mamamayan, hindi na naririnig kasi nadadrown out ng mga trolls, ng fake news, yung hindi naman legitimate, hindi naman genuine yung opinion nila. Number one, binayaran lang. And number two, just in the numbers, yun nga, one person controls 500 accounts. Those 500 accounts are not 500 accounts of genuine opinions of real citizens. They're just the opinions of one person. It's not even his genuine opinion, maybe. He just got paid to say it. But it drowns out the opinions of real people, of real citizens. Um, so I hope the Alex Jones... Verdict, you know, it's the start of something where ordinary people can push back and can tell the platforms. There's a lot of talk about holding the platforms accountable. To be honest, the platforms don't care. They just don't want to be taya and to say na sila yung magsasabi na malito, totoo to. They don't want to be the arbiter of truth. And indeed, that should come from us, from ordinary people, from ordinary citizens, um, pushing the platforms to A, have robust reporting mechanisms in place so that we, the people, can flag fake news, fake accounts, um, accounts that spread hatred, violence, falsehoods online. In an, in, there, there was an interesting study na, you know, not the exact numbers, but 99% of people online actually talk in a civil, polite way. We can disagree. <laughs> The, the point of democracy is not to agree. The point of democracy is to disagree. We all have our own voice. That's free speech. That's democracy. But, and you know, 99% of us can manage to do that civilly online. That's part of civics. That's part of living in a society, in a democracy. But it's that 1% or a very small minority of people online who poison online discussion. And people leave. The people with moderate opinions, which actually are the majority, leave whatever forum, leave whatever Facebook page that they're on. 
uh, because they're poisoned by the toxicity of a very small minority, which includes trolls, which include these very paranoid, very violent, very vocal individuals. So I think <laughs> this, my rant, uh, my mini rant about Alex Jones and free speech and democracy, I think uh, has gone over the total number of time that I've devoted to the tech news. But to heck with it anyway, you know, my podcast, my rules. And that's the nice thing about the podcast. I do have a freer license to rant compared to like if this were a YouTube video. But um, I hope it is a harbinger of things to come where you know, ordinary netizens do push back. It's, we're accustomed to seeing Philippine netizens as very, yung nga, yung marites, yung very toxic, uh, pinoys uh, for gamers. But uh, there is a lot of good online, locally and abroad. And a lot of it, is poisoned just by a very small minority of paid hacks, or if you're not paid, you're just very, very loud about your minority opinion. Yung gusto ko sana na social media begins to better represent moderate views. Yung hirap kasi palaging either or. Supporter ka ni President X, anti ka kay President Y, parang ganun. Which isn't... In the real world, I voted for President X, but I can also be critical of him. I didn't vote for President Y, but I can also support some of the things he's done. Um, ang hirap, in, in logic, there's a fallacy called false dichotomy. And it's, you know, it's usually not either A or B. The world is complicated. But if you go online, it's always either A ka or B. Um, it's either you're for or against something. When... Yun, the situation is usually never as cut and dry, straightforward as that. And we can discuss things civilly. It's just that a small minority ruins it for everybody else. And I wish, I hope the platforms start building in tools to better reflect the moderate nature of the majority of internet users, both here and abroad. So that pretty much wraps up episode three. Um, yun. As you know by now, this will be a weekly thing. So the next episode drops October 28th. Um, till next Friday, ladies and gents, have a good weekend.